Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. We move into the final hour of trading the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, all advancing on what is looking like another up week, third in a row for U.S. equities. This update is brought to you by Upside. The smart new way to buy travel is Upside.com. Save money and get a free gift card every trip. Use business and you're guaranteed at least a $100 gift card your first time using Upside.com. Minimum purchase required. See site for complete details. U.S. equities higher across the board here. The Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ holding on to their gains. Payroll gains rebounded in April by more than forecasts. The jobless rate unexpectedly fell to 4.4%. The economy adding 211,000 jobs. Median forecast in our Bloomberg survey of economists called for a 190,000 gain. Danny Blanchflower is a professor of economics at Dartmouth. And on Bloomberg television this morning, he cautioned us there is more to the numbers. America is hurting in a way that it's it's not elsewhere. If you look at the measures of pain, Americans are in pain. If you were at full employment, that would not be true. So I think there's a disconnect between the past... There's a disconnect between economists and models who don't understand things going on outside the cities. Right now, the S&P 500 index up five points to 23.94, higher by two-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ up 11, a gain there of two-tenths of one percent. Dow Industrials up 19, up by one-tenth of one percent. The 10-year up 132nd with a yield of 2.35 percent. Gold up a dollar the ounce to 12.29, higher by one-tenth of one percent. And West Texas Intermediate Crude rebounding today by 1.8 percent. Higher by 82 cents a barrel to 46.34. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. We may just let this go. Just say. Why not? Or maybe we should get to our chart of the day. You think? Why this song? Why? 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 Because it's Cinco de Mayo. That's why. Los Lobos, certainly a band influenced by Mexican music, playing a song originally done by Richie Valens, who was of Mexican descent. So there you go. Two for the price of one. Nice homage. Absolutely. And we should point out Mexico, certainly classified as an emerging market by those who pay attention. And the chart. Focuses on emerging markets. So what the heck? Why not? Anyway, the reason I, I tackled this one is, you know, we, we've seen commodity prices take a hit lately. And we've actually had a couple of charts out looking at what it may mean for U.S. stocks. And this one focuses on emerging market stocks and kind of comes to a different conclusion. You know, you, you figure, given the history of emerging markets, that they're really sort of beholden to what's happening in the commodity markets. And Michael Schall over at uh, Market Field Asset Management made the uh, point in a report yesterday that it's really not so anymore. And you look at the last three years – and you can see that and a whole lot more in the chart. Comparing the MSCI Emerging Markets Index with the CRB Commodity Index, you find out that the emerging market stocks held up a lot better as commodity prices fell. So, you know, and then the question becomes, what's changed? 
simply that these energy and raw material producers just don't count as much within the emerging markets in the broad sense as they used to. Uh, you're talking about a 14.5% combined weight in the MSCI index, and that's only about half what it was a decade ago. Instead, Shao makes the point that emerging market stocks are now, as he put it, an adjunct of the global technology boom. You look at the weighting of tech stocks, and it's up to 25%. It's the uh, most heavily weighted group within the MSCI Emerging Markets Index, and that figure has basically doubled in the past so, decade. So again, the idea is is that an emerging the emerging market index doesn't really reflect emerging market economies anymore. What it really reflects is tech stocks and emerging markets. Well, it does to the extent that emerging market economies have kind of shifted toward technology. You think about all the uh, Taiwanese uh, makers of uh, components, uh, you know, manufacturers like, like uh, Foxconn. Yeah. Uh, which produces the iPhone. And so it's just really shifted the equation in terms of how these economies are made up and then, by extension, how the uh, stock markets are made up. So if you want to know more, folks, send me an email. I'll get you the chart, the explanation that goes with it. And everything I do going forward, the email address is dwilson at bloomberg.net. That's dwilson at bloomberg.net. What's great, Dave, if you do the IMAP, function on the MSCI Emerging Markets Index, yep. um, it's really great. You Perfect. see how much there is in terms of technology makes up the index now. It's very clear. It's wow. a great pie chart for everybody on radio. And almost, it looks like a quarter is now information technology. Whereas exactly. if you go to like energy materials, it's a much, much, much smaller percentage. Throw in telecom services on top of that of IT, which I would also consider technology. And suddenly you're looking at an even bigger part. Exactly, exactly. All right, very cool, Dave. Uh, let's uh, also talk about something else that was uh, very important in today's session. That is the jobs report. Elena Shuletova is our senior U.S. economist here at uh, Bloomberg Intelligence, our in-house group of uh, economists. We've been talking about, uh, obviously, the big economic story of the day. What do you you think is is the most interesting aspect of this report, Elena? So this report basically shows us we are back to normalcy, right? So uh, in terms of the um, growth in, in net hiring, it's back to a normal kind of level that we saw before the weird March uh, Q1, one. yeah. So we saw some strength in the winter months that, that were uh, that was boosted by warmer than usual weather. Then we saw a big decline in the pace of hiring. Now we're kind of back to the normal uh, pace of hiring, and we're also back to a normal distribution between service and goods sector jobs. So uh, currently, the services sector creates a bulk of jobs. So that's kind of back to normal as well. We heard from um, Lindsay Piegza earlier, though. She said a lot of it, like construction was kind of weak, right? right. And, and most of the job growth was in, was it education? It was uh, a little bit uh, uh, of everywhere in the services sector. And yes, uh, you're right, in the goods producing sector, uh, we saw some slowing, but it's still a positive uh, number. So that is positive by itself, that we see positive growth in manufacturing, construction, and so on. That's good enough. Uh, that's good enough. So, uh, and a lot of it in the non-farm numbers too. I mean, that was sort of one of the strongest things in this report. Uh, very, and, and you know, all total private uh, employment was pretty strong. I, I agree. So, uh, but what 
was very interesting in this report uh, was a decline, another decline in the unemployment rate. So right. that was totally unexpected. And uh, that, along with uh, some slowing in the pace of average hourly earnings, does not make sense if you look at the economic theory. So something called the Phillips curve that shows the relation between the unemployment rate and uh, inflation right. uh, tells us that if unemployment rate goes down, inflation should pick up. We, we're not seeing that. So Is it that- unless so people are leaving the work like you know what i mean we've t- we've had these discussions where the unemployment rate goes down because people are just frustrated and they leave the work pool if that you actually tells us that we will still see uh, inflation growth but okay. it might be coming a little bit later and we do expect that to happen this year so but this is something for uh, the policymakers to think about and maybe lower their long uh, run um, forecast for the unemployment rate uh, at the upcoming meeting in, in June. Yeah, I, I just I, uh, these numbers. I mean, it really. I mean, it's almost as if the Fed knew these numbers were coming. <laughs> with, with, well, seriously, with, with their, what they're saying, the, the transitory nature of the no, most recent numbers, and sure enough, we're, you know, we are two days later, we've got some of the proofs that the employment Absolutely, was I agree. They don't even need to do the jawboning that they did uh, before the March meeting, right, to persuade uh, the markets that they they will be hiking rates. So the data did it all for themselves, for them, right? So uh, we are now at 100% probability for the June meeting. Dave Wilson, what are we going to watch out for next week? Got about uh, 20 seconds here. Well, I'm going to wait to the end of the day and, and kind of move the time frame forward because the S&P 500 just got above its closing record. So we'll see if that holds ah. up. It's up about three-tenths of a point now, just below the record as it huh. stands, but it's going to be something to watch. And then next week, continuation of earnings, Walt Disney for one. Right. We're going to be talking a lot about that. Right. The S&P was up one and a half percent last week. Right now it's on track for about a half a percent increase as well. All right. Dave Wilson, thank you so much. Our Bloomberg Stocks columnist and our thanks to Yelena Shaletova, our senior U.S. economist <laughs> at Bloomberg Intelligence. A look at world national news headlines with Bloomberg News anchor Nancy Lyons in our 99.1 studios in our nation's capital. Thanks, Corey. President Trump has signed his first piece of major legislation, a $1 trillion spending bill to fund the government through September. The bill cleared both houses of Congress this week, and Trump signed it this afternoon behind closed doors at his home in central New Jersey. Members of the House are heading out of town for a week's recess. Republicans are reveling in their health care victory yesterday, but Bloomberg's health care reporter, Zach Tracer, says this reform package has quite a battle ahead in the Senate. We're still in the very, very early innings of finding out what replacement uh, for the Affordable Care Act is going to look like. Uh, the, the Senate, you know, Republicans have uh, 52 votes there. Um, they need 51 to pass it, so they can't afford to lose many of their members. And we know that the, the folks in the Senate, you know, have some priorities that, that weren't shared by the House that are going to shape this bill. Um, and, you know, it just means that we're, we're, we're just in the early stages of finding out, you know, what – What's coming? The bill has yet to receive a price tag from the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office and is opposed by a number of physician and health care groups, including the American Medical Association, due to concerns it could strip millions of Americans of their coverage. The Pentagon says one service member is dead. Two others were wounded in Somalia during an operation against the al-Shabaab extremist group. The death was the first in combat of a U.S. military member in Somalia since the Black Hawk Down incident of 1993. In afternoon baseball, the Yankees are trailing the Cubs one to nothing in the bottom of the third inning. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Nancy Lyons.